Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right, John. A really nice win for the Broncos. Really nice win, but I just I can't be more clear about this, John. There remains a ban on all AFC playoff hunt chatter in the entire state of Colorado. That's that's been effective for a little while now. That continues even with this win. The Broncos are not in the playoff picture, and you know I'm a big Patriots homer. The Patriots are also not in the playoff picture. They're four and six. I do not want to see any more AFC playoff hunts with the Broncos and the Patriots. We just need to move on from that thing. But that being said, John, I do like the way the Broncos played and. That was a nice little win. And even I'll give Drew Locke a little bit of love there because he came back. I don't think he was 100% healthy and he played well enough for them to win. So a good one for the Broncos. But I do get a, I, I just want to warn all of Colorado and all the people on Twitter saying, oh, look, we're, we've moved up in those playoff standings. No, 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 no. You got to stop that. You got to stop the Pats and the Broncos are both out of the playoff picture. We just have to accept that. It's Thanksgiving, John. We just got to, the sooner we accept that and move on, the better. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of fans that are honestly thinking they have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. <laughs> right, right. But, but like you mentioned, it, it was a good game. And I really liked from Drew Locke, like right in the first drive of the game, he threw an awful interception. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, Ryan was right. Like, That's his calling card. Seen, <laughs> I was like, we've seen enough. This keeps happening. He turns the ball over deep in their own territory. The Dolphins take a 7 nothing lead because Locke made a terrible mistake. And I was like, okay, here we go. He's going to have another bad game. Ryan's going to tell me it's Brett Rippon time. <laughs> but then after that, I really 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 liked how he responded after that like he wants it perfect after that but he didn't make any big mistakes and he was like you said he was good enough for them to win like it was awesome that the ground game was working so well and the defense came to play the defense just completely shut down to it and when the defense plays well and when the ground game shows up he's a good enough quarterback to win and maybe over time he'll get he'll get better being a quarterback you know like actually helping move the ball himself but the way he bounced back after that early mistake I was really proud the way he bounced back and like you mentioned last week he got his ribs banged up he was limited in practice so he had limited practice reps he was probably still hurting a little bit and I've criticized him this year for it seems when he makes mistakes it can kind of pile up like he's had at least one turnover in every game he's played besides week one and he's had multiple turnovers in multiple games and so just seeing that he did that I was like okay that's like a stepping stone that's a building block like can now against the Saints can he do no turnovers or like if he does have one again can he just let it be like okay i made that mistake i'm not doing it again then it'll be interesting to see what happens against the saints because the saints defense looks really really good so that will be a tough test for him no yeah the saints are a wagon they're one of the best teams in football so that's going to be a a definitely a good test for denver but yeah no you're right you're right drew lock comes out throws a pick on like it was something like the third play of the game or whatever it was Mm -hmm. really early and then the dolphins go and score at seven nothing and the dolphins have a really really good defense and they're a good team and you're just like that's a game the Broncos are supposed to lose at that point right that's just not heading in the right direction so credit to everyone involved with Denver to uh to get that game back into their favor and to finish it off at the end that was good stuff that was a good day for uh for the Broncos no doubt about it but for me it's like you talked about being proud of uh, Drew Locke John I'm proud of you for 
actually going on Twitter and putting the poll out there. I asked you for a Twitter poll, right? You you did. You you responded by putting the poll out there. Is it ripping time or should we stick with Drew Locke? And it was close. Uh, I'm not going to say it was a landslide by any means. So we did something similar on our Bears Wire podcast and we put the poll out there. Do you want Mitchell Trubisky or do you want Nick Foles? And John, it was a landslide for Mitchell Trubisky. They've seen enough of Nick Foles. It was like 95% Mitchell Trubisky. That's what the Bears fans want. So I wasn't expecting to see that kind of a landslide in this vote, but more Bear, more Broncos fans, I'm sorry, did vote for Brett Rippon over Drew Locke. And I think that conversation is going to continue, unfortunately, as we go, because Drew Locke, although he won this ball game, I'm not sure we learned a ton from this, right? We, not a whole lot. You probably won this game because your defense held the Dolphins to 13 sure. points with a rookie quarterback, yeah, right? Sure. You rushed for 189 yards. That's another big reason why you won this ball game. Drew Locke, 18 for 30, 270 yards, with a lot of that coming on a, on a bomb at the end of the game there to kind of flush it out, which was a cool final play, but it padded his stats a little bit, let's be honest. And, yeah. uh, you know, no touchdowns in the interception. So Brett Rippon could have done that, right? So that's, yeah. that's why yeah. I guess the question is, and I know Drew Locke's going to play. And like I, I joked on Twitter, yes, the, the logical thing is to continue to play Drew Locke, the kid you drafted in the second round. you got to figure out if he's the guy. He doesn't have enough games under his belt yet to really dump on him and, and bench him. I know it's irrational to put in Brett Rippon right now, but I guess what have we learned from Drew Locke? Like, what did you learn, John? What, what impressed you the most about Drew Locke and what makes you think like, okay, we're not ready to to write him off yet. Well, I think you made a very, very fair point. The defense shut the Dolphins down so much. They scored 13 points and one one of the touch the only touchdown was from when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game. So I feel like even if Brett Rippon started that game, I feel like Rippon could have played as well as Locke played and they still could have won 20 to 13 or, you know, like 17 to 13 whatever. Like when your defense plays that good, the quarterback has to be really bad for you to lose the game. And Locke wasn't really bad. But you said we you don't know if we really learned anything. I think we kind of learned, like, his mentality. Like, I really re- – like, I've criticized his mentality this year. I think, like, in the past he's gotten down on himself. But on Sunday it really seemed like he didn't get down at all. He just bounced back so well. And so if he can keep that kind of mentality, I really like that. But as far as, like, talent, I think you make a fair point. Like, Drew Locke didn't win that game at all. Like, he didn't lose the game, which – is great like because he has kind of cost them some games with all his turnovers in previous games this year so if he can just keep not losing games and if he shows that same kind of bounce back mentality not get down himself i think that's a good thing and i just feel like like we've talked about it before he's a second round pick they invested in him they want him to be the guy he may not be the guy but you just got to ride it out and see what happens. I, I I like Brett Rippon just fine, and I think he'll be a good backup for a while. I just don't think – I don't think it's likely at all that he's the long-term guy, so I just don't think you gain much from playing him. But I do think, like you mentioned, it's a fair point. I don't think the game would have gone much different if, if Rippon had started on Sunday. I just think it's an, a long-term outlook thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I think we saw something from Drew Locke, and I'm glad I'm glad we did. We saw a little bit of physical and mental toughness from him, and you got to give him credit for that. And actually, I do have beef with a Broncos player. And for once, it's not Drew Locke. I don't have beef with Drew Locke today. But I do have some beef with a Broncos player. Let's let's do that on the other side, John. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. 
New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks, and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged 6 targets in the last three games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the last six games against tight ends and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky, but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. John, I want to get your take on the Melvin Gordon experience, right? There, oh this, is, this, is an, <laughs> this is an experience. Now, uh, he has flashes of brilliance. And then he has just these moments where you bury your head in your hands like he's going into the end zone for a game-sealing score and fumbles. Uh, yeah. So we've seen this a couple times. He's had issues off the field as well this year. He's had injuries. So at this point, you've signed this guy for two years at $16 million. It's not looking like the hottest signing in the world right now because you've got Philip Lindsay, who's yeah. you're giving kind of equal carries, right? This is kind of a 50-50 timeshare. I think they almost had the same amount of carries, same amount of production. You're getting the exact production from Philip Lindsay as you're getting from Melvin Gordon and you're paying Philip Lindsay like less than a million per year. He, like Lindsay's contract is like zero and you you know Melvin Gordon was this big offseason signing and really I don't know I got beef with him right he's just not living up to it and you signed him to punch that ball in the end zone and seal the game. You don't you didn't sign him to fumble it and give Ryan Fitzpatrick you know a chance to do one of his magical glorious beard comeback things. You know what I mean? Like then that's where we were. Like you fumble that football and you're like, oh my god, the Dolphins have a chance and the Broncos might actually blow this thing. So what do you think about the Melvin Gordon experience, John? I can tell by your cutting your reactions behind as I'm talking, you're not loving it, are you? Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Like I think in today's NFL, so many teams have two good running backs. It's just the way football is now like there's hardly any like workhorse running backs anymore so I get the concept that they wanted to have someone like similar to Lindsay's level or even above Lindsay's level to share the load like I get that but to pick Gordon and to give him a ton of money Lindsay's making pennies compared to him Gordon better be really really good and really really reliable and he's not reliable because he's going to get suspended either the end of this year or the beginning of next year and he's not reliable because he keeps fumbling he's fumbled I think four times this year if 
if you include that flea flicker. Yeah, and brutal. Lindsay, this is uh, Lindsay's third season. He's never fumbled as a pro in the NFL. And so, like, I get wanting to have two running backs, but I'm just not so sure that Gordon was the right guy to pick, especially for that kind of money, because he's not reliable when the game's on the line. He, cl- he could close out the game scoring there. And instead, like you mentioned, he gave the Dolphins a chance to go down and tie it or even more than that if they went for two or whatever. And I just feel like it's reached a point when the game's on the line and you're trying to close it out. Like, Philip Lindsay's got to be the closer. And I think they have, like, a prejudice because Gordon is, like, a bigger, beefier guy mm. and taller than Lindsay. They're like, okay, this is our bigger, beefier closer. But, like, it, Lindsay has proven, like, his size doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, I think people kind of have a stereotype that he's, like, a scat back, but he's not. Like, he runs between the tackles. He can break tackles. He's a very bruising running back. Like, he doesn't go down easily. So I feel like when the game's on the line, don't put Gordon in. Put Lindsay in because he protects the football. And that's the most important thing when you're trying to close out a win protect the ball and I think like you mentioned when you pay somebody that kind of money you don't pay them you like you pay them that money so they be a finisher for you and literally like I feel like now I don't know if they'll actually do it but if I was running the team I would definitely make Lindsay the finisher and that kind of defeats the purpose of paying Gordon so I I agree with you that I don't think really Gordon was a good decision to to pay that yeah you kind of hold your breath now late in games when he's getting the football whether you know it's either going to be a nothing play or a turn Turnover or something weird's gonna happen. You know, there's just no trust factor with them. And I, and, yeah. and you look at, I keep going back. I look at the box score and I look at the production. And Lindsay's just doing the same, if not more. Yep. He's just doing the same thing. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it's almost like, all right, can Melvin Gordon just serve his suspension? Any you know already, so we can actually see what the offense looks like with Lindsay getting more touches, and we can see if maybe that's a you know a running back that the Broncos can lean on more heavily going forward. I know yeah, you love and, Lindsay. I know you love him, John. Yeah, and like like I said, you you gotta have two good running backs, but like they could have an offense with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, no problem. I really think that like yep. Royce Freeman's not the level of Melvin Gordon but like he hasn't had Melvin Gordon fumble issues like Gordon's a good running back he's got good yards per carry average he's a very good receiver out of the backfield he catches a ton of passes every year but he just fumbles too much and in the NFL that's too big of a problem like there's so many guys you can plug and play at running back I feel like they would be okay without him like he's a good runner he just fumbles too much, and it's an issue. Maybe that's our next Twitter poll, John. You know, who do you, who do you want to see that get the ball on third and goal from the one yard line? Melvin Gordon. There's or no Lindsay? question that would be a Nick Foles blow. <laughs> okay, that'd be ninety five percent. Like that's yeah, that's Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, I do want to get to Thanksgiving and some of the traditions and some of the things that people have been talking about about the NFL, and I do want to talk about the Saints a little bit more. But real quick, John, before we hit the break, Peyton Manning, John Lynch named a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. I don't think I think. This this is kind of a formality for Peyton Manning, right? He's definitely yeah. You think be he's going to get in? I think yeah. That's that's a tough one. Let me let me let me think on that for a little while. So yeah, Peyton's going to get in. What do you think about Lynch? Yeah, he's he's been a finalist for years now. He's getting close. I don't know if it'll happen this year because there's several first year guys that are real real up there who are definitely making it in their first year eligibility. So I don't know this year, but he keeps being a finalist. So I think he's knocking on the door and he'll get in eventually. And some people are like, well, Broncos can't even mention him. He was a bucket 
Buccaneer. And I'm like, yes, I know he was a Buccaneer. Yes, he won a Super Bowl with the Bucs. That's great. He was yeah. more of a Buck than a Bronco. But he was in Denver for four years and he w- made the Pro Bowl all four years. And also Peyton Manning was in Denver four years and they won the AFC West four years. So like Peyton Manning's more of a cult than a Bronco, but he definitely has a big Bronco legacy as part of his career. He went Absolutely. to two Super Bowls with them and he won a Super Bowl with them. And, and Lynch didn't win a Super Bowl, but he made four Pro Bowls and he's in their ring of fame and he was great in the community. So he, he certainly has a connection to the Broncos. And I don't know about this year, but I think he'll eventually get there and Manning obviously will this year. And I think they're they're both great guys. They both had awesome careers. So it's cool to see that. Yeah, sometimes with the Hall of Fame, you just got to wait and you just got to bide your time a little bit. Peyton's not going to have to wait. But John Lynch, it's, you know, another guy that's been a, you know, kind of a an annual finalist or semifinalist is Heinz Ward from Pittsburgh. And I think eventually Heinz Ward will get in. It's just going to take a while. You just got to wait. Yeah. So could be the same type of situation for Lynch. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll talk about Turkey Day. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and Bet and Podcast. I'm Eston McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 money line favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the money line, plus five-point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in, or if they don't win this game, and I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51.5, minus 106 odds, so a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51.5 odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSlip and Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. John, I've heard at least rumblings from people out there. I've read a couple articles. Uh, people just, you know, they're not like super excited about the, the Thanksgiving Day slate. They're starting to say, should we really have the Lions and Cowboys every single year playing these games? And I know that's tradition. And, you know, I remember growing up watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That's just kind of how it was. And I had this crazy uncle who was like a diehard Cowboys fan. He'd be hooting and hollering. And that's kind of what it was growing up. And I, I remember those days. What do you think about that, though? Do you think the NFL should eventually, I know they added the game that happened a couple years ago thank god if we didn't have the mark sanchez butt fumble and you know our lives wouldn't be as rich as they are today right that's something that that's a highlight that will live on in my mind forever the night the patriots played the jets on thanksgiving and mark sanchez had the butt fumble i'll I'll never forget that night that was a great night but what do you think about that should the should the nfl just leave this thing alone it's tradition and that's what it is or should they give in to some of the pressure that they're hearing and start to maybe think about down the road tinkering and maybe flexing different games into thanksgiving what do you think I like 
like leaving it alone because I, I like the tradition. I like that the Cowboys and Lions are there every year because even though the Cowboys are bad this year, it's still an intriguing – like they're still the Cowboys. It's still intriguing, and they're still playing a division rival, so there's a lot of hatred in that matchup. So it's an intriguing matchup. And like even if you're like, ah, it's not going to be an entertaining game because the Cowboys aren't a good team, like almost everyone plays fantasy football. So like the teams aren't good, sure, but Ezekiel Elliott's a good running back, and you sure. have him in your fantasy team. Washington's wide receiver is a real good wide receiver and you're going against him and you don't want him to have a good day. And like the Lions, they have a couple good receivers. They have three running backs. So like from a fantasy perspective and from a betting perspective, like I feel like even if the games aren't marquee matchups, there's still plenty of reason to tune in and be interested in them. I don't mind sticking with the tradition at all and keeping the the Cowboys and Lions, and then a, a night game. In addition to that, I'm with you. Yeah, and if you're not, if you don't feel like watching the, you know, I think the early game could be a little rough. You know, maybe ignore that one. Eat your food. You know, hang out. But I think you know, get in with this NFC East thing. This is kind of fun. They're all the teams got yeah. are tied. Basically, they're virtually tied. They're all tied in the win column. And throw the records out. I know the records are freaking terrible, and it's kind of like a laughingstock type of deal. But get into it. Like this NFC East thing, when these teams are playing each other, it's kind of like playoff football come early. Like these teams are actually fighting to get. In in the playoffs and it's a fun storyline and i'm just like come on people like let's get behind this let's get behind dallas washington i kind of like that game there's yeah. absolutely some big big things on the line for them 100 100 so all right john so the broncos are hosting the saints and they get to experience the Taysom hill experience right this is this is something that's going to be fun because Taysom hill every time i watch a play he has a striking resemblance to a guy broncos fans kind of know and love yep. named tim tebow yep. right and he almost yep. like looks like him out there and he's faith is a huge thing it's the whole thing it's a it's very very tim tebow like only he seems like he might be a better version of tim tebow but anyway yeah he, he's faster yeah he's absolutely fast yeah no doubt and i don't know i just watching him kind of tear up the falcons last weekend i couldn't help but think back to that tebow game where the Broncos stun the Steelers and they win that overtime that slant that gets broken for the touchdown and then and Broncos fans must be thinking we got this we got this new quarterback that's going to lead us and it didn't work out what do you think about Taysom Hill and do you think this is like maybe a better version of Tim Tebow who can actually get the ball out a little quicker maybe a little bit more solid mechanics uh, but the same type of you know run pass threat that maybe Broncos fans wish they had or thought they had back in the day yeah I think Tebow would have loved to have Sean Peyton tailor an offense to him and do like a majority running like they do with Hill like I think that would have been perfect for Tebow but like I said Tebow's I don't think he was quite as good of an athlete like he was a real big bulky guy but he wasn't as fast and I don't think he really had hands like Taysom Hill has hands like he can be a tight end or whatever like he can catch passes like the one time that I saw Tebow like run a, uh, a route for the Jets it like hit him in the face mask or something and, like that was only one example so maybe if he had like 10 targets he would have had like five catches but just from the lim limited sample size he didn't seem like much of a receiver but he was a great runner like Hill was a great runner and I think if if he was with the Saints and Sean Payton and they tailored it to him I think he could have had success but I think Hill is similar to Tebow in that you can have success with him and you can tailor your offense to him but I don't know if it's necessarily the best thing to do like I honestly think the Saints would be much better off playing Jameis Winston as a normal, a more normal quarterback. Because even though it worked and they won, like they beat the Falcons, who are absolutely terrible. And if Jameis Winston was the quarterback, I think he would have had 300-something passing yards, three or four touchdowns. I think it would have been much more of a blowout. And I can say that it because we didn't see if it happened or not. But I just feel like Taysom Hill works. 
I just don't know if it's the best uh, plan of action for them. And I feel like Vic Fangio, I feel like he's going to have a plan for this. Like we've seen Tebow, like Tebow, he had some success, but there were some teams that just figured out the Broncos offense. Like, okay, they're going to do these quarterback runs. They're going to do this kind of stuff. And if we really stack the box and shut down the run, he's not a good enough passer to beat us over the top. And if the Broncos are able to do that, and if they do shut down the run, and if uh, they lock down Michael Thomas, or at least limit Michael Thomas and the pass game I, like I don't think the Bronco I'm not picking the Broncos to win but I think they could slow down because the, the Saints didn't even score a ton of points last week the Falcons were just awful right. and the Saints defense was great so maybe the Broncos <laughs> offense isn't going to be able to score enough points to really make it matter but I think they could slow down Hill a little bit and I really question if it's the right plan to start him over Winston yeah it's, it's going to be interesting there's no doubt about it will the Broncos force Taysom Hill to throw it down the field which he had some success I think he showed a little something. Yeah, he's the a, I think he's a better passer than Tebow was, to yeah, be fair agreed. to him. Agreed. I think the ball comes out a little cleaner, a little quicker, and, and that's that's what you need. But he, he threw it downfield, but you're right. It was against the Falcons, so how much do we how much do we how much stock do we really put into that? I think if the Saints look better on offense against the Broncos, we'll learn a thing or two. And obviously odds makers think this game could be close. The Broncos are only five and a half point home underdogs here, John. It's never easy to go to mile high and win. There's no doubt about that. The over under is super low, so forty three and a half. So this could be a low scoring kind of wouldn't slug, surprise me. Yep. Slugfest. What do you think about that spread? Broncos getting five and a half points at home. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair because like you said, like, of course, the Saints are a much better team than the Broncos this year, but they have a gadget quarterback, a new quarterback. Last week, they beat the Falcons, but it wasn't like a major blowout and right. the Falcons are a bad team. And this game is in Denver. They have a little bit of an elevation advantage of uh, being a mile above sea level. So I think the Broncos could keep it to within reason, but I think obviously Obviously, the Saints are going to be favored. So I, I understand the line. And with it being a low over under, I get that, too, because I think the Broncos could limit Hill a little bit. And with how well the Saints defense is playing, you're not confident in the Broncos offense putting up a ton of points. I think the Broncos would have loved to schedule more games against the AFC East. Those games yep. worked out very nicely for the yep. Broncos this year. There's no doubt about it. So, all right, John. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on every week. 13 weeks into our podcast now. So I've learned yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm uh, thankful for this podcast. Yeah. I'm thankful that we had a season like with COVID and everything. Seriously. Like not every team has fans. Like the Broncos aren't going to have fans for their home games. But like I'm so glad that they're able to play the season and we can watch the games on TV and be entertained by it. And we can come on the podcast and talk about it. So, yeah, it's so I'm good. really glad that we're able to have a season this year. So that's that's one thing that I'm thankful for. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? I know I give Drew Locke a hard time and stuff and all that. But, you know, I really do appreciate the Broncos fans. They're they're awesome. A couple of them have interacted with me on Twitter a little bit. And it's just been good. It's been a fun back and forth with them. And I uh, appreciate all of our listeners. Appreciate you, John. I hope you and your family have, uh, I mean, even if it's a little different because of COVID this year, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving, my man. Thanks. You too. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.